0: following podcast is scheduled for a standing 10 count or podcast time remaining. Welcome to episode 11 of Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host Jeremy Vilmer
1: and now the star of our show, Mr. Coconuts Bobby Blaze. <laughs> you know, damn coconuts, man. You got me so good last week. You blindsided me. Uh <laughs> hey, it's great to be back. Welcome to episode 11. Uh, We're going to be doing greatest rivalries in professional wrestling today on the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast, and I'm really looking forward to it. We put a lot of work into this behind the scenes, um, just uh, off the top of our head, off some research, and just had a really fun time. Last week's episode was fucking phenomenal. It was great. It was about the late, great Roddy Piper. It's been three. Excuse me. I just hit my microphone. Uh, I I wait till we go live before I do that For some reason, every show just to fuck with Jeremy's earplugs and, and headphones and whatever. But anyway, it's great to be back here. I'm trying to recover from a fucking super kick I received several weeks back, and then no sooner than I'm recovering from that, it's like one of those ongoing concussions in professional wrestling that I suffered. Fucking Jeremy hits with a bunch of goddamn coconuts out of nowhere. Come looking over, uh, whatever. You sucker, but thanks for being my co-host, Jeremy, uh, if that silver scorpion character he's put be fighting crime, I don't know if he hit me, I don't know if you hit me, someone hit me with some fucking coconuts, but we got a tremendous episode lined up today, um, we're coming to you from the, we're going honor the, uh, Louisiana Superdome, um, and it was called the Louisiana Superdome from 1975 to 2011. It's now known as Mercedes-Benz Superdome as of October 2011. But we will get back to that in just a few minutes because we have a couple more things that's just a little bit more impersonal uh, involving professional wrestling and also uh, involving life. And that is the passing away of, uh, I'm going to preface this just a little bit by saying um, we lost uh, Nikolai Volkov. He was 70 years old. Um, great, great lifetime performer for the, uh, WWF all the way through WWE. Uh, we also lost Brickhouse Brown, who was reported passed away a week prior to his actual death by waking up in hospice. And I have a brother that's a chaplain for hospice, but, uh, apparently Brickhouse was pronounced dead and woke up and said, mom, I'm hungry and lived another week. Um, which is, is, uh, you know, he passed away due to cancer. He'd been having some ongoing problem with that for, if I if uh, memory serves me correctly, uh, for the last couple of years. But also, we want to talk about something very very serious. We lost a uh, fellow performer, a uh, someone I've met, knew, and we're going to talk just a little bit about that, Jeremy. If I can just say, uh, may he rest in peace. And I have some things to say about uh, Brian Christopher. Um, some knew him more as a uh, uh, grandmaster sex. A. he was only 46 years old and I'm going to let Jeremy speak just a little bit before I come back to my disclaimer. And, uh, he's going to give out a little bit of information about the, uh, because we lost, um, sadly, um, three great wrestlers, um, three, you know, human beings on this planet. And, and one of them, Brian Christopher, uh, sadly, uh, passed away at the uh, apparently at his own hands. Um, and I don't know how to word any safer than that, but, Jeremy, if you'd like to speak, I'd like to let you speak, and I'll come back to that, what I have to say. If that's yeah, okay.
0: I, I've got a couple things I want to say, and, uh, you know, look, I, I've got a troubled history with some things. People know that. I do have a brother-in-law that uh, committed suicide a week before Thanksgiving last year. Um, I encourage people, if this is something you're considering and you are in a position to do so, there's a suicide hotline phone number you can call 800-273-TALK. More importantly, that regardless of the situation you're in, there are members of your local community or your overall community. There are special uh, helplines for transgender people, homosexual people, just people that suffer from chronic depression. Whatever group you find comfort in talking to, please reach out to somebody and talk about it. Um, there is a thing that's going on now that that bothers me more, and I see it in the Brian Christopher uh, Lawler case. He was Jerry Lawler's son, even though they didn't always talk about that on air. Which I get—you got to caveab your relationship sometimes. But this is kind of the second time we've been through a troubled person committing suicide in the wrestling world in the last twenty years. Uh, you know, Kerry Von Erich was going to go to prison for his drug abuse. And rather than do that, he committed suicide. I'm a little alarmed these days that we live in a society that has confused callousness with strength and toughness. We don't have resources for people to reach out for everything. I am going to ask that if you are in a situation and you are sure you are at the end, take five or six minutes, take out your phone, search around for help. There's something out there for you. Um, one of the things I do want to remind you is that if you do commit suicide, it will be your mom or your wife or your sister or your kids who have to come up and clean up after you. I know when you're getting ready to check out, that's not what you want to think about, but when they're, you're scrubbing your blood and shit off the bed sheets and walls, I want you to have that picture in your mind before you do it. Because when you kill yourself, you're not just hurting yourself, you're killing every potential of every relationship and your own life. Please look for help. I don't know how to be more direct about it. You know, there's somebody out there. I'm almost tempted to give out my phone number sometimes and say, call me, you know. Um, This is a thing that touches close to my my life. I had a child who had drug problems, died of an overdose. We will never know if it was a suicide or an accident. So, guys, please, if you're thinking about it, Take time to find something else, somebody to talk to. Once you've done it, you can't undo it. And it's not going to matter so much about, you know, you're out of pain at that moment. You've just plunged everybody else you know into a darker spot. And they will be asking themselves, what could I have done? What could I have said? And I just, I want you all to think about that before anything, you do anything to harm yourself or somebody else. Bobby, um, it does touch me a little close to to home, and I do get a little agitated when I speak about this. So I'm going to turn the floor back over to you for a
2: moment.
1: Yes, and thank you for sharing that with me and with our audience. To top that off, I want to say, just remember this, it's permanent and it's a forever decision. When you make a decision, it's forever. With that said, I'm not, and I'm going to read this, you hear me? I'm not a mental health expert, and I'm not trying to be. I'm just talking from my heart. Uh, Jeremy has shared several things with me, and I'm currently reading a book that Jeremy's wife put out. And I'm on Chapter 30, Jeremy, just so you know. I am Mm -hmm. reading it, and um, it's touching my heart in a very special way. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things uh, that that you shared with us in the past, and I appreciate that. And we've talked about this on this program before, so obviously it's something close to both our hearts. Uh, there is a National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's 1-800-273-822-TALK. There's a lifeline. There's a one on Twitter at 800 800- two, seven, three talk. It's not, not available 24 hours a day, but, um, here's just a couple of notes I wrote. I'm going to read something. And, and this is just what I've, this is something I've experienced is depression, anxiety, and my own personal life. Um, I'll leave it at that. But one thing is if some people are living in the past, they're dealing with depression. And if some people are living in a future or think about their future, they're living in That's that's your anxieties. And so you have to try to live in a present or the now position because that's what's known as, that's why it's known as a present or the present, I should say. And so with that said, I just want to read something I kind of wrote, what it kind of did, I fucking wrote it. But uh, I'm just speaking on a purely uh, secular way about this uh, because I don't know what anyone's belief system is. But just understand that... um, We shouldn't judge others because we don't know, I didn't know, uh, Jeremy didn't know, uh, maybe anyone else's situation when when suicide is when someone thinks that's the final solution. And it may be over for them, at least in this realm, but sometimes we never know the full story as to the whys or the whatnots as to why that final decision was made for their final solution or their permanent solution. But I'm not here to judge you, and I wasn't in that person's situation, and I may not know their exact state of mind, but just so you know, I hope, and it's my hope is this, for anyone, that you at least take that few minutes before you do make that decision, that forever decision, to reach out for someone, and for those that have passed already via that decision, I hope that they have found a better place or may now be at peace. And with that said, to, when you go to one of these helplines and you never know what the person's situation would be, but as individuals, and Jeremy said he may give out his personal phone number, um, that's the thing. There's about five things we can do, and that is this. We can ask the other person. This does not mean you may prevent them from doing it, that final solution or that final act. We can always ask a person, are you thinking about this? Is there anything I can do to help you? So ask. Don't be afraid to ask someone. Try to keep that person safe. Um, again, these are things that, that are just kind of common sense, but they're also things that sometimes we don't even think about asking. We don't think about, you know what, let me just keep you safe for tonight. Uh, be there for the person. For the person, there's my Southern accent Fur, uh, be there for that person. Just try to be there. And I think in some situations, many, I know personally, um, I won't go as detailed as Jeremy did and, and bless your heart for sharing that with us. You know, you're there for that person. You also have to help them connect, um, whether it's again, getting them some kind of professional help or, or just being there for them and connecting with them on a smaller scale, getting them out to a, uh, an event, a sporting event, or get them to a movie getting get them out of the house just to relax or, or spending time with them in their room, whatever it may take, just get them, get that connection of, Hey man, you're still a human being. I still love you. I still care for you, you know, and then after you get them to connect, you know what? You got to follow up, man. Um, And that that may be the toughest thing because we live in society now where everything is just coming at us a million fucking miles a minute. You're like boom, boom, bang, bang, bang. And you got texts and tweets and fucking Facebook and and Instagram and all this social media going on and all these things coming at you that you say, you know what? I didn't go back and check on so-and-so and it may be too late. So follow up. Just give that friend a call. Shoot him a text and say, you all right? That's asking. So hey, you need me to come over? You want to come over, hang out, keep them safe, be there for them, uh, connect with them, and just again, just follow up with them. And that's really all I want to say. Is um, man, it, it's 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 permanent. It's the it's the forever decision. But before you make a decision. Think about what Jeremy said because he was very direct and saying, you know, someone's got to be there to uh, to fucking untie your neck or to clean up the blood and the shit and uh, as biographic as you could be, man, or whatever you do. Um, there, there's help out there. Get it. Uh, text us. Text us at the fucking tweet us at the uh, Bell to Bell Place podcast and say, man, um, I had someone tell me the other day. Uh, and he's never one of anyone I've ever given a shout out to anyone. I won't mention the name. Just said, hey, this podcast helps him get through about 45 minutes of his day. And he's going through some rough times. And it made my day that I that I actually wrote him back, direct message me. And uh, he's not in that situation by any means. But it was a, it was a touching, direct message. That was cool. So, uh, you know, call the uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline in the United States is one 800 273 8255 that's the lifeline on Twitter at eight hundred two seven three talk, and then just um, hey man, shoot us a text. Uh, uh, I say text. Shoot us a, uh, uh, on Twitter. Just say hey man. You know what? Um, thanks for being here. Uh, you got me through, or um, just whatever. Because we're not health professionals. We understand that, but but it's something both dear to both of our hearts. And we hate losing anyone, especially to that when it when we know what the ultimate decision is on that final solution. And uh, we hope you don't come to that point because we're not here to bring you down. We're here to lift you up, and we're going to go into – I'm going to let Jeremy finish that up. By, he may have a number or two to send out or just kind of say something else because I'm done with that, and we want to move on to what we're going we'll to talk about the uh, – the 11, uh, episode 11, Greatest Rivalries, in just a second. Uh, and we're going to be honoring the Louisiana Superdome. So, Jeremy, uh, please, back to you.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to let this topic go because there was something. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to talk about it for one more second. Okay. There was something I read from uh, your buddy Sean Waltman, X-Pac. Mm-hmm. And apparently Brian Christopher was in uh, uh, solitary for like 30 days. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean about the callousness of where we are now. You just throw somebody in a fucking hole. Yeah. And it just it, it outrages me that this is, and people are cool with that. You know, people no, are fine with that. You know, because I
1: knew what you meant when you said that because we had a private discussion about it. So I knew what you talked about. Our, our, we have become calloused somewhat in our society, and we, in the United States, we just fucking. We put people in jail over bullshit stuff. But I'm not saying there's, there's not reasons uh, why, uh, but we put people in jail. We put them in, in incarceration rate is so fucking high, uh, solitary confinement, those things. Those people obviously don't have a choice to call an 800 number. Yeah. You know, so so we've got to just show. You know, anything I say about that, Jeremy, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it, but I I knew no. what you were saying about this society. Is the only answer to that is man love. Just, yeah. just reach out and, and and realize people that someone out there does love you. Uh, I just heard about an inmate getting out of uh, prison that's ninety fucking years old. He served in uh, World War II, served in uh, uh, the Korean War, and um, served forty years in prison. He's ninety years old, getting out, and um, it was PDST or whatever that you know he didn't know about back you know forty years ago. Yeah. He, the shit that he had seen or whatever, and he just went off and. Uh, broke some laws or whatever. But still, nonetheless, uh, sometimes – so anyway, I didn't mean to re- – go ahead. Tell oh, no no no, so no, no, no. So was just... apparently uh, locked up for a DUI, um, and apparently, for from what I understood, was his own um, protection because of uh, being a celebrity in the Memphis area. Um, he was put in solitary confinement. Uh, for at least thirty days. Now yeah. I don't know if that's fact, but that's per Xbox uh, Sean Wattman's Xbox One Two Three on Twitter account. So go ahead. I'm I'm very sorry. Little, I'm no, just, I am getting emotional. I I like that you point out that they did
0: it for his own safety because that fell the fuck apart. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: and there I am laughing about it. But yeah. you're right. That that got a pop. I mean, because there you go. That fell apart. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It just, you know, I I think about who some of the strongest people I've ever known were, were also some of the most compassionate. And when I look around these days, like toughness, fake toughness, is what's considered strength now. And it just kind of, I don't know, it makes me sad
1: in general. Well, let me say this Um, I've met Brian Christopher, I didn't know him really well. well. I've met him in the uh, mid 90s. He was always a complete professional around me, always laughing, joking, good-looking guy. And I saw him. I, I didn't post a picture. Um, I, I held off on it, even though my phone my phone was blowing up on Sunday morning. But um, we did a show in Madison, West Virginia last year. And it was a reunion show that was due. So what I'm going to tell you folks is this. I heard a lot of good stories about Brian Christopher work for a promoter and I guess the the show didn't do very good and Brian gave part of his payback I heard he went to uh, 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 somewhere in, in Tennessee at a wrestling show there uh, just these compelling stories where uh, one of the fans that come to the shows regular couldn't make it they was homesick uh, with an ongoing illness and Brian went over to his home and visited that fan uh, personally uh, I was on a show in Madison, West Virginia and I was just a special guest referee. I'm an old fuck. I got a messed up back and neck, et cetera. And I'm not complaining or bitching or moaning about it. I'm just saying I understand my limits. When you're young and healthy, you can do all those things. It's great. But Brian was the youngest one there, and I was going to be referee. Cornette, Jimmy Cornette, was going to be manager with uh, the mass Superstar and Brian Christopher against the legendary Rock and Roll Express And um, it was the main event for this. They have a show up there, uh, the ASW that I go to a few times a year, and I I really love the promoter. I love the guys that work there. It's it's a really good atmosphere. It's in the Boone County Civic Center, which is just a a really good, real wrestling place. But Brian came in. He had done a a show in West uh, Ohio on a Friday. This was a Saturday night show, and then it had a Sunday afternoon show. And then from my understanding, on Sunday they even visited a uh, children's hospital a bit farther north up in uh, uh, West Virginia. But I just went to the Saturday show, caught a ride up with one of my buddies. Uh, I sometimes have to catch a ride at nighttime, and um, I wanted to go to the show and I wanted to have a good time. And Brian worked his ass off, and he took every bump in the ring that night, and not only that that that's that's the good part that's my my good hearted story of of how hard he worked to get me over as the ref uh to get the rock and roll express over as the uh you know the baby faces but the one thing that happened at first i thought was a rib but it turned out it wasn't uh bro- everything was kind of calm in the locker room and out of nowhere brian um he come through there yelling and cussing and He's like, I've I've knocked my teeth out, I've knocked my teeth out, look at it. And I thought, is he trying to work us? Maybe he had, you know, I didn't know if he had false teeth or not, you know. But he did look and it scared his eyes. He had pulled his two front teeth out, trying to pull open a, uh, I guess his fingers had slipped off of, I'm not really sure how. But it was a a bag of gimmicks. It was a, a, a plastic bag. So he had went to rip it open and, you know, sometimes you just can't. So I guess he put him the the end of the plastic bag in his mouth to kind of pull the zip before you get to the Ziploc part of it. And when he did, he jerked and his two front teeth, I guess he had partials. He, he pulled them out in the locker room, like freaking out because he's freaking out. Some guys walked out back, some guys hung around and. Uh, to end that story, it was just a deal where if you're ever been into a locker room with shower area, uh, there's, you know, toilets and urinals and, and and showers, et cetera. Prior to, or prior, uh, pre- before you enter the shower some in some place, especially older buildings, you have these wooden planks that you walk across that you can dry out on where you hang your towel at before you step out to the shower. Well there was chairs set up right before that, and Brian, his teeth, he he had legitimately pulled them out. People were in there looking for them, and um, they had they, the showers were off. Of course, the people looked in the drain. They looked around a uh, seat. They they looked around a gimmick bag. They couldn't find anything. Someone from maintenance had to come in and take one of those power drills. Uh, 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 not electric. What do you call them? Just the uh, you charge them up rechargeable drill. Unscrewed a few screws and moved those uh, planks out of the way, and his front teeth were down there uh, underneath that wood. He had legitimately pulled them out. So we went out in the first spot they'd done. Uh, I can't remember if it was Ricky or Robert. (laughs) It might have been Austin Idol. I don't know because Austin Idol was in on a finish on that match. But anyway, as soon as the match started, you know, uh, someone hit him in the mouth. It's probably Ricky. I, I honestly cannot remember. And, um, man, he just started selling around a ring showing everyone his front teeth were missing and it, it got over really good. So that's my good Brian Christopher memory that he was, you know, he took the punch, uh, worked it around all four sides of the ring. It was a really good house at that time. And he was showing them that his front teeth had been knocked out and, um, and he went ahead and worked the rest of the match. And then I, I guess the next day he he worked a show up there and, and, and further up in West Virginia. And by the time he got back to Memphis, I guess he went to his regular dentist or whatever, had him fixed. But that's that's my uh, good hearted uh, Brian Christopher story, because to me, he was just such a um, when he walked to that night. I was already there sitting at a gimmick table. And like I said, I had one of my buddies drive me up and he walked from the back of the locker room. I didn't know he had, had arrived yet, but he came come through and he just smiled at me. We hadn't seen each other since the mid-90s. That's a long time ago. And he said, Bobby Blaze. And man, I just got, shook his hand gave him a big hug. Man, I was just happy that he still remembered who I was, man. And uh, so I always like to try to remember people the way they, you know, were to me and the way they were around me and stuff, oh, but he just, he come through there and he has had a pair of those, uh, snowblower pants on the orange and black, uh, camo, crazy things. And I know I'm kind of rambling, but man, he had a, like a tank top on it's kind of retro nineties really. And he just walked through and he's like Bobby Blaze as he got closer to me and I stood up and was walking toward him and just gave him a big old hug, man, but just that smile was infectious. And uh, he said, "Can I sit up right here?" And he set up like the, one of my buddies was beside me, and there was another space on the other right. I said, "Yeah, sit up right there, man." He put his gimmicks out, and of course that was before the teeth, before the intermission part. But uh, but anyway, my point is, man, when someone like that just comes to you and just gives you a smile, and it was genuine. It was just, he just looked so good. He looked so healthy. And the smile was so fucking genuine. And when I shook his hand and gave him a hug, man, just when he said Bobby Blaze, it, it, it just one of those things. And you had not seen this one for like 15 years, 18 years maybe at that point. And um, it's, it just, it's just a good memory. So I'm going to keep that memory of Brian in my heart. And I didn't post a picture, even though I have one of me. It's me and Cornette, uh, Ricky and Robert. Uh, Bill Edie I think, in it. I know Austin Idol's in it. I know the, one of the promoters is in it. Um, and then Brian Christopher was in the front pointing to his teeth that they're missing. So um anyway, just to share a yeah. good moment there. Edit that down as much as you want because we got other we we do need to move on and I was trying to make for you to come back from I didn't know you'd <laughs> be back on the line to be honest with you. I Dog really tending, yeah. Yeah, I didn't
0: know you back. Well that's you know what so that's that's trying to
1: stretch that out. <laughs> no, that's
0: that's that's actually a really nice story, and I'm glad you share that with us. And um also it's a, it's a reminder to floss and brush on a daily basis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into episode 11, The Greatest Rivalries in Professional Wrestling. We're going to honor the uh, Louisiana Superdome. That's what it was called from 1975 to 2007. Uh, 2011, excuse me. Now known as, as of October 2011, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And with that, I think Jeremy has a little bit of history he's going to share it with us, and then we're going to jump into our uh, uh, damn topic, greatest rivalries. <laughs> Top 10
0: greatest rivalries, there yes. We
1: well, I'm
0: going to read this from um, Wikipedia. It's just kind of about professional wrestling at the Mercedes-Benz Ney Louisiana Superdome. Uh, the Superdome was renowned for hosting many of Mid-South Wrestling's large blow-off events that were culminations of weeks or months of feuds and rivalries. Bill Watts was the promoter of this territory and gained much notoriety from promotion of his events in the Superdome. April 19, 1986 saw Jim Crockett Promotions, in association with Bill Watts' UWF and All Japan Pro Wrestling, host the first of three annual Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournaments. 24 teams competed in a single-day show with an afternoon, first rounds, and finals in the evening. The tournament final saw the Road Warriors prevail over Magnum T.A. and Ron Garvin. Besides tag team tournament, the Superdome attendance of 13,000 saw NWA world champion Ric Flair retain the title via disqualification from Dusty Rhodes. And Mid-South North American champion Hacksaw Jim Duggan beat Buzz Sawyer. World Championship Wrestling held its 6th Clash of the Champions on April 12, 89. The event saw Ricky Steamboat defeat Ric Flair in a 2 out of 3 falls match to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Clash 6 was held on the same day as WrestleMania V and on free TV in an attempt to hurt the pay-per-view rating. That's a lot of wrestling history in one building right there, and that doesn't even scratch all the other stuff that happened in there.
1: With that said... Would you like me to go into what we had discussed earlier?
0: Oh, yeah. You I have can... more to read. Oh, no, no, no. I think okay. that does it. I, I, okay. we're, we're still trying to figure out how this part of the show, when we talk about yeah. the old stadiums, are going to work. And, you yep. know, so this is our second attempt. Okay. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get yep, there. We'll this, get there.
1: You know. um, just some memories I had, real briefly. Uh, that was, I had to just look up real. We don't do a lot of fact checking, we go from memory. Uh, but I remember the uh, Muhammad Ali, Leon Spinks, they fought there in 1978. I wasn't sure what year it was. There was uh, several NCAA tournaments there. Uh, I remember North Carolina winning one because I was a senior in high school. Uh, that actually took place there. But the, uh, the the No Moss fight between Leonard and Duran, I think it's fight number three. I could be wrong. But that's where uh, Roberto Duran was saying No Moss. That took place in 1980, and that took place at the uh, Superdome. With that said, Jeremy, what I'd like to do, because what you read was excellent, we know that uh, Mid-South ran there from like 76 through 85-ish, and at 86 it became the UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation. So that that's all really cool. With that, I'm going to briefly say, and I, mean, I know you've got one, and then we'll go into our list, and that is a couple shout-outs to, one to Adam Price and um, S. Sparks, I think he sparked close to close, uh, he was sending me some uh old footage, uh old um, covers from um, magazines, not magazine, programs. Mm-hmm. There we go and um and also, we gained another list there, and then I'm going to preface our, our top ten. So you had one more shout-out. Who is that going to? Well, that um, actually
0: is going to Kevin Von Erich, who began following us on Twitter yesterday. Excellent. I don't know how long he'll stick around if he listens to the show, because we do have potty mouths. But, you know, that's <laughs> whatever. Thank you, yep. Kevin. I, I hope you're listening, but if you're not, that's okay.
1: Okay. So we're going to go into the uh, top ten and I'm going to preface it a little bit, of the greatest rivalries in pro wrestling. First of all, we know there's more than 10, and we if you get the uh, Patreon eventually, uh, you'll, you'll understand how our process worked. But I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Casey King because he brought up... There was two WrestleManias there at the uh, Superdome, and WrestleMania 30, he brought up that uh, Bryant versus Triple H got a huge pop. I did watch that one. Uh, it was special to me. Both my sons were watching it. Uh, some of their friends were here and this and that, blah, blah, blah. I won't bore you with that. And, of course, WrestleMania 34 took place there. So, Casey, there's your fucking shout at you jerk-off. Now, uh, <laughs> anyway, you Appalachian dream, whatever. Let me preface this with, with this here. What didn't make the list was Hogan and Piper. And if you'd like to know why, you can refer back to last week's episode. Um, it was the number one spot of uh, number episode nine actually uh, number number 10 i think i'm sorry and it was an ongoing feud between hogan and piper so we kind of just left it at that we didn't go as new as you know the uh uh, daniel bryant versus triple h stuff we didn't go back as we did go back really far but we also did not mention the hogan flair thing or hogan fuck hogan piper deal because we already talked about that in the last episode so uh, go back and catch up on the bell to bell with bobby blaze podcast we appreciate that and with that jeremy i'm going to lead off to ask you to introduce our top 10 all time even though we know there's more and we yep. went through a process to get there the top 10 greatest rivalries in professional wrestling
0: okay so right before i read uh, number 10 I'm going to talk about methodology just real quick. Um, yes. Every time we do a top 10 list, Bobby and I establish rules by which we are doing them. So whether it's you know the title belts that we will count as world titles, or in this case, the first thing we threw out was, I don't want half of these matches to be Stone Cold versus somebody. If somebody's in here, they're only in here once, which is nice because we can come back and do a top 10 later with one of their other matches. If we start running out of content which I don't think we will but the first rule we established was only one rivalry per person so you're not gonna hear ten different flair uh, five different dusty roads or five different Hulk Hogan's so you're gonna hear one related to each person with that being said let's go ahead and talk about number 10 the Hart Foundation versus the British Bulldogs I remember a lot of this pretty clearly. This is actually around the time that I started watching wrestling. Uh, The Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs traded the title belts a couple times. I think the first time I ever realized that a referee could be a villain came from this era. Uh, when uh, Danny it was Danny, Danny Davis, Danny Davis, yep. uh, flipped Not on the
1: wrestler Danny Davis, the referee Danny
0: Davis, yeah, dangerous Danny Davis, which yes. is probably the name every Danny Davis would use if they were, yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> it's the one that works easiest. Um, the the Bulldogs were badass, powerful, and did stuff that I had. I mean, even though I had just started watching, I never seen anything quite like them. The Hart Foundation. Look like a well oiled machine. Then it turns out, when you start going back through their history, some version of Hart versus the British Bulldogs had been going on all the way back to Stampede days in one version or another. Uh, I was a big fan. Uh, This is an era of tag team wrestling that I really enjoy because they actually gave a shit about tag teams during this time. Absolutely, yep. Uh, Teams weren't just two guys thrown together, people. You had a team theme, the Killer Bees. You had a theme. You weren't just like two guys that said, ah, I got nothing for you, so you're a tag team this week. Right. So because of that, they are number 10 on our list of top 10 great rivalries.
1: I will agree with that. I, th- I think that's a great decision to put them at number 10. And we had some reader feedback on that, and I, I liked your insight on that. Number nine, this is old school, a little bit personal to me, and and it's way back when, and it's the original Sheik versus Bobo Brazil coming in at number nine because that takes me back to some of my earliest memories of professional wrestling when it was the WWWF, and also there as time went on all the way up through probably 1979 or 80 uh... which was many years after that and i saw them perform on on the chic as crazy as he was and bobo uh... when i was uh, just a huge to me that coco butt and it just one of those things that got over with me uh... to where i saw the uh... they're still feuding you know when i'm fifteen sixteen years old uh, when a sheik ran his territory, he would bring in Bobo Brazil, and he used to run Huntington, uh, West Virginia. And I got to see that match live eventually. But it's also one of the, the few. I have a I have an aunt that's um, deceased now that I used to watch TV with. Sometimes we'd watch Baltimore Old games, Baltimore Colt games, and we'd watch professional wrestling together when I was four five, six years old. And so uh, I remember watching it then, but also when I first came to Ashton, Kentucky, out of the middle of fucking Baltimore to hear, uh, as one of the first things that, uh, one of the first matches, I should say, that I saw live as well. I, I was probably not even seven years old, and um, my real dad had taken myself and my brother to the National Guard Armory and it was a Chic and Bobo Bazil back in the day. So as one of the only memories I have of him, and, and I don't really give a fuck to talk about all that. But anyway, my point is, that was an ongoing long-term rivalry. That's why I put that in my top ten, because it just had a lot of meaning personally for my family, more so for my aunt than anything. Uh, just going back to... Uh, You know, like I said, she's deceased now, and and that was one of those things I shared with her, man, and uh, I got to share with my brother as well as one of the very first matches I saw live, and uh, it was still ongoing when I was about 15 years old when they came back, 15, 16 years old, they came to the Huntington uh, Arena up there, so that one touched my heart. And uh, they just beat the fuck out of each other. Of course, Sheik had the pencil, and Bobo had a cocoa butt. And it was always a double disqualification. I don't know. I guess Sheik might have went over more because he owned the territory. I don't know. But it was just going ongoing for me. So that was number nine. So let's jump quickly to number eight, if you don't care, because that's going to come to us from the Mid-South Territory. How about that, Jeremy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Number eight, we've got the Junkyard Dog versus Hacksaw
1: Jim Duggan. We We got a little like from Duggan on that one. Because JYD was so over in Mid-South, and we got a lot of feedback from you fans out there in Mid-South. We got a lot of feedback when well, we talked about coming to you from the uh, Superdome. And everyone talked about how over JYD was, and we could have put in Butch Reed. We could have put in... Uh, uh, Ted DiBiase, we could have been all these different people. Uh, some guys showed up. There's a friend of JYD's named Stagger Leah, from my understanding. But the, uh, the we had to eliminate. By process of elimination, we came to that uh, the best one was that was, the rivalry was JYD versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan as number eight. Am I not correct on how we assume, uh, came to that Oh, ab-
0: Absolutely. I've, okay. Obviously, being where we are at the Superdome,
1: right. Junkyard
0: Dog had to be here. I mean, we've we've gone on about that a few times. And just what yeah. a big deal he was. Dump, dump, dump. Yeah, dun 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 dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the guy, Someone the guy sent was... me a
1: text after our music entrance. Uh, go back and listen to that podcast. Someone put on Twitter. They has put hashtag thump. So I knew right then we had someone that liked our podcast. You yeah, know, absolutely. <laughs> um,
3: yeah,
0: but yeah, Junkyard Dog. I mean, he was. I'm mean, he was a superhero. He was more than just a, a pro wrestler. I mean, he was. You
1: know, I. I and we I'm, talked about that. You talked about it in great detail on that entrance music. Uh, yeah. You talk about JYD being out there in the mid south. Area, So go back and listen to that. I hate to keep referring you back to things about something we kind of touched on. We're coming up on 40 minutes. We talked about kind of keeping our episode between 45 and 50 minutes. So I know we're almost halfway through with that. But go back and listen to what Jeremy has to say about JYD being a fucking superhero down in Louisiana. Back in the day, and it will take us to number uh, seven if that's okay, Jeremy. How's yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Number I seven. I got to move along here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's... you're keeping me on track, but I have to, you know. Sometimes I gotta be the taskmaster.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, my damn dog's freaking out around here. What are you gonna do? Number seven. We've got Magnum T A versus Tolly sawed-off little bastard Blanchard. <laughs> Man,
1: and we had so many ways we could try to put that in there, and and going with the uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, the N.W.A. Of course, Magnum got over a little bit out there, uh, from my understanding, in the Mid-South, and, and had a good little run, I guess, with uh, Wrestling number 2. And then Tully, you know, he, he had his Southwestern thing out there. But, mm-hmm. man, when they got they got on the national scene with that Jim Crockett Promotions and N.W.A., and you had that little sawed-off prick, like you said, <laughs> that fucking Tully was just a hell of a fucking heel, and you had that good-looking fucking magnum ta you know looking like magnum pi uh terry allen just out there man uh how over was that guy you know he's quite well, destined to be the fucking champion but that was a I, hell of a feud. go ahead i'm sorry well i was gonna say i
0: i don't remember the different places i've heard it but i have heard that the idea was to make magnum into the southern hulk hogan
1: Oh,
3: I Uh, can believe that. Wow.
0: Magnum's career was cut short by a car accident. Uh, Unfortunately for us as fans and for him, I mean, he lived through it, but he was forever changed by the accident. Magnum was a big, tough, bad son of a bitch, and Blanchard was a little, sawed-off, tough son of a bitch who could generate heat. Yeah. And, you know, you were saying last week that sometimes a hero is only as good as his villain. I mean, where is yep. Superman without Lex Luthor? Where's Batman mm-hmm. without the Joker? Blanchard, he was just, he was a blowtorch, man. He was just <laughs> a constant heat. I still feel like slapping my TV sometimes when I hear his name, you know? Yeah. He was great as a villain. Magnum looked great as a hero. I would say go, there was a couple StarCade matches you can watch between the two of them that were outstanding. I'm sure they're on YouTube, but I don't want to recommend that. Go pay for your entertainment. But yeah, I just, I couldn't beat that. And yeah, there were a couple different ways we tried to tackle that plus another pairing.
1: Yep, we sure did. And I will say this, I, uh, I had the privilege of meeting Magnum TA. I've met them both, uh, but the most recent one I met was uh, Magnum, which has been several years back, but it's uh, one of those things that uh, his story is actually inspirational after all uh, yeah. after the car wreck it ends up you know being a pretty good story and uh, i'm sure we'll be talking about Tully a lot more in this broadcast as well because this podcast brother because man we both we're just so impressed what a fucking heel he is man in the wrestling business so uh yeah that that's a hell of a robbery right there yeah. let's go back towards mid-south uh, if you will with number six and let's go with the Freebirds uh, versus the Von Erics, one of the greatest rivalries of professional wrestling of all time. How about that?
0: It starts with Carrie Von Erich versus Ric Flair in a cage. And Ric Flair's cheating his ass off because he's Ric Flair. I mean, what else is he going to do, <laughs> right? So Michael P.S. Hayes pops Ric Flair in the head with the cage door, and Kerry won't take the pin, so the Freebirds whip his ass. Starting from there. You have a constant one-on-one to three-on-three feud going on between the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. The Freebirds are still one of the most impressive groups to ever wrestle. I'm mean, specifically that group: Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and Buddy Jack. And you know who who has been, ever been as over as the Von
1: Erichs were in Dallas? Uh, anyone? <laughs> Bueller? Bueller? Yeah, anyone? Mean, <laughs> you know. But man, uh, fucking Freebirds and Von Erichs, what a fucking rivalry! You know, of course, Freebirds worked out there a lot out there in the mid south, so we 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 had to put them in there. But also just because of that that combination, man, those three guys, man, mm-hmm. we we we've, we've got a special rule in effect with with using them uh, on this podcast. But uh, of course, we won't be using that today. We will know we, we've already said that. But man, number six, the the Von Erichs versus the Freebirds. Sometimes you gotta look at this list. You think, "What well, I could have been a little bit higher." And and but when you get to these top five, you'll see why. Yeah, and that's gonna take us to our top five. So Jeremy what's number
0: five. Well, real quick before I get to yeah, five, all yeah, I, yeah, I know we're I know we're running low on time. I do want to say that I got a couple messages of suggested top ten rivalries, and they were all 11s because everybody's like, oh, and then with the Freebird rule. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's not that's not what the Freebird rule is for.
1: I had like two or three of those that it, and with the Freebird rule. And I'm yeah. like, no, we can't do that. you know. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. And we appreciate those messages. Oh, absolutely. We, we hope, though, with that Freebird rule, what I think Jeremy and I would like to do is, is use that as little as possible, but with a specific or special reason when we do use it. So it's not going to be something we just throw out all the time. So, yeah, anyway.
0: but I, I just wanted to put that out there. That yeah. We, we I, do
1: appreciate your input people. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I,
0: and I appreciate that they like us having a free bird rule too. Absolutely. I one just of our don't... new
1: listeners. They, they just, uh, one of our new listeners wrote us both on the bell to bell podcast, the bell to bell Blaze at Twitter, and they was talking about they, they was unaware of that Freebird rule when they heard that episode. They popped big time. And so, hey, that's, that's great. We, we yeah. welcome that. I, I'm sure one time when it was used, probably averted some anger quite a bit, too. Sure. yeah. Sure. Okay, that's well, that... Heat. Hell, yeah. our top ten here today will probably get some heat, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's alright. That's, that's part of the business. Look, I that's pulled right. off a big heel turn last week, and <laughs> yeah. nobody said a word about it except me and you. Yeah, well... Yeah.
1: That's cool with me, man. Let's go yeah. number five.
0: Number five, Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The big Hulkster there. I think he's been looking at little Elizabeth a little bit too much, if you know what I mean. Can you dig it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Freak out, freak out, freak out, man. Ooh, first yes. the Mega Powers and then the fucking heel Turn. And, man, that's a top five right there for sure. Hulk yeah. Hogan and Randy the Macho Man Savage.
0: So I uh, I became a huge Macho Man fan at the start of the Mega Powers, and then, of course, just blew apart when he became world champion. Because, you know, we all figured Hogan would get it back at the end of that tournament, and Macho Man picked it up. Mm. And Macho Man was the first heel that I ever went and said, holy shit, that's the characters I like. Because when the whole thing started to turn around, <laughs> when the whole thing started to turn around, it looked to me like Hogan was being a sniveling little bitch who coveted Savage's title and Woman and not yeah. the other way around yeah. um, <laughs> I love that and the fact that even what 15 years after that Macho Man's writing rap albums about how much he hates Hulk Hogan that was
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's, that's... when Savage showed up when I left the old little ICW here in Kentucky and they, they, they... Eventually went to Memphis, and then all of a sudden, it just within a few years, Randy Savage showed up on the scene in the WWF, you know, and there he is working a fucking huge program with the number one over babyface in business, you know. So um, I have a personal interest in that too, from from the time, you know, just following Randy Savage's early career to the to fucking him showing up there. And WWF and then the mega powers and then the uh, whole heel man is just done so right. And then, like you said, even years later, uh, you know, Savage just, uh, he, call it what you will. He was very fucking intense. We've talked about that before on the program. So I imagine, uh, whether it was, uh, when Hogan, you know, sneaking a peek at his girl or sneaking a peek at a title, man, Savage wasn't having any of it because he was, he was going to protect them both. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so, you, can't, yeah. you
0: can't lock your belt and your girl in the closet and expect nothing to
1: happen. You know? <laughs> no comment.
0: <laughs> yeah. You still there, Bobby? Sir. All right. Well, we got another co-host. Uh, my grandson, uh, Killian, is going to be joining us.
1: Hello, Killian. Who are you talking to I'm talking to somebody on the Internet let me say this and i hope you keep us in there folks if you're listening to this podcast we just had a brief moment and that's because we are real people if you hear dogs in the background if you hear a beer can opening that's probably me i'm not doing the barking that's jeremy's dogs i'm the one probably open a beer can but also more importantly we're human beings that care and we have grandchildren my little granddaughter will be three the 19th of this month and i'm so excited about that so we're living real lives, man, and we. I think Jeremy does a tremendous job editing and producing his show, but um, thanks for the, you know, how you keep those uh, edits and cuts in there, Jeremy, but people mm-hmm. also have to realize, you know what, there's fucking, uh, there's a fucking meth house two houses down from me, honestly, and someone sells weed around a corner, that's nonstop in a circle, man, and you hear cars going by all the damn time. Um, and like I said, we have we have children and grandchildren and, and we have a life man. So um, it, we're just glad you're listening to the podcast. You're listening to two real real live men, real live human beings and we try to love everyone. We try not to shit on anyone and we just want everyone else to try to as tough as life gets sometimes, you know what? Just try to be kind to each other and and, uh, and, and let everyone else know, you know what, man, it's it's all good. It's just a fucking podcast. We're here for your enjoyment. We want to entertain you for a couple of 45 minutes to an hour and have a good time with you. So uh, take off a grain of salt. Enjoy the fucking show. Yeah, so my grandson's going to be sitting in the
0: room. It's going to be a little noisier than usual. I usually do a pretty good job of keeping all the background noise out. But you know what? This is a podcast and not a radio station. You know? That's right. Yeah. We're we're just going to roll with it. Uh, So, Bobby, that leaves us at number four.
1: Yes. We just finished up with uh, number five. Where did I pick up at? We picked up after Savage and Hogan, number five, so we're now to number four. Yes, I I apologize for being redundant, but I had to double-check my list here. Got you. Oh, no, quite all right.
0: Quite all right. Yeah, we got a little bit off the rails this week. Um, I'm going to ask that people quit committing suicide now just so Bobby and I can keep our show more organized. (laughs) Yeah. You selfish bastards. (laughs)
1: Oh, fuck. Uh, Yeah. It's yeah, a pro-wrestling so- <laughs> podcast, but we told you all from the beginning. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about entertainment. We're going to have a good fucking time. We're going to try to be kind to each other. So you know what? It's okay because we talked about something that is very serious, Jeremy. And hopefully mm-hmm. if one person, if we just help one person, man, it's all worth the extra fucking five minutes. You must have been listening to us today. And I know there's people use a treadmill. I know there's people out there that both their laws listen to us. I know people out there on their commute to work that listen to us because they've all contacted me, Bobby Blaze seven forty four on Twitter. I'm sure they've contacted you at the uh, Cast or they've either con- or they contacted a the Bell to Bell Blaze at, at Twitter and let us know different things about what they're doing and why they enjoyed a shorter podcast. But today, obviously, we are going to run over by about five minutes, and that's okay because you said it's a it's a TV. Podcast time limit, fucking whatever today, okay? Yeah, so did you like witness, that? Folks. Did you
0: did you like that new intro? I kind of like that. Yeah,
1: I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. no yeah. problems. Yeah.
0: All right. So number four is Jerry the King Lawler versus Andy the Prick
1: Kaufman. <laughs> yes. And we arrived at that because we had to eliminate another match uh, or a series of rivalries that uh, Jerry Lawler had because it's one of those things where you could say, you know, whoever came through Memphis could have been Jerry Lawler's rival you know, at, at some point. So we got it down to a national TV star on one of the number one, I, I say his top 10. It's probably number one at one point, uh, taxi. Mm-hmm. Andy Kaufman was on TV. Um, of course now we know, you know, years later, it, it, you know, they made a movie out of man on the moon. And, uh, I guess no one was even smart enough back in the day. I know I wasn't because they went on that, that put Memphis on TV on a national level because, um, Kaufman, you know, just browbeat the hell out of the, uh, those hicks from down there in Tennessee, and that Jerry Lawler, and of course, Andy Kaufman was a fucking intergender uh, champion of the world, beating a woman out there, back when you could do that, back in the day. Yep. And they took it all way to uh, they got on the David Letterman show, which was you know, just early one in his podcast, or broadcasting uh, career, and um, man, it was just fucking they, they, I guess, sold out, you know, Mid-South, and just sold out. The TV was so fucking the ratings. I couldn't tell you. I'm sure uh, Jim Cornette or, or Jerry Lawler or someone could tell you how the ratings went through the roof when when uh, in the Louisville, Nashville, Memphis those markets that that uh, when Kaufman came, a Hollywood movie star and TV star came to their um, you know arena, and Jerry Lawler, you know, fucking. Does the the belly to back gave him the headlock and he gives him the belly to back and he gives him the uh the soup uh, the uh power pile, dri- pile driver we talked about in moves, all those things, man. I mean fuck Jerry Lawler gave Andy Kaufman fucking cancer from giving him a pile driver in the middle of the fucking ring and, um, you know, uh, of course, Annie Kaufman is no longer with us, but, but man, what a fucking, that's why if you go back to our moves and finishing holds, the pile driver was up there near the top. I'm not going to give away our top 10 on that. We could, we want you to go back and list that episode, but man, what a fucking rivalry when you got a fucking Hollywood TV star on one of the top TV shows in the country coming to Memphis, Tennessee to wrestle Jerry the King Lawler. Because, you know, he didn't have a very high opinion of people down here in Appalachia and out there in Memphis and all of us hillbillies. And he came out here and he got the fucking business over even more. So we had to put that rivalry in there. Jerry to King Lawler and Andy Kaufman.
0: Absolutely. And this is another one we could have gone with. Jerry Lawler versus about five other guys without a problem. Yeah, uh, we just kind of figured that the Coffin one was a bigger deal because you got to yep. remember Andy Coffin was on Taxi, but he was also on Saturday Night Live and the other yep. show Fridays went during its brief run. Yep, Andy Coffin was ubiquitous to show business at the time. Uh, Andy he, he was kind of a professional pissing people offer, I guess would be the only thing you could really call him. <laughs> He'd get up on stage and then start to read The Great Gatsby. <laughs> and then ten, ten minutes into it, when the audience stood up to leave, he'd start chewing their asses out. I uh, The guy was just, I, he was like next level entertainment. Like, people are just now getting some of his jokes.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I, the Great Gatsby, I'm an avid reader. Great Gatsby, greatest to me, that's the, my, my favorite novel that you mentioned. It. But I was laughing because if you haven't seen it, you have to watch... Breakfast with Blassie, and it's Andy Kaufman and and, and and Freddie Blassie having breakfast out in L.A. Have you seen that one? That's I have
0: fucking. never it's like seen 45 that.
1: 45 minutes. Oh, go watch it. Okay, I'm going to have to watch that. you got to watch my Breakfast with Blassie. It's Andy Kaufman and fucking Freddie Blassie having breakfast at a diner out in L.A. It's fucking killer if you like that kind of comedy, and I know you do. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and the thing is, you know, we could have went with uh, four or five different guys that could have come through the Memphis area, and, and some of them it was stayed there. It was ongoing. But we had to put, again, we went through our select way we did it, and we put that one up there. That finishes up our number four, which is going to take us to our last three. But number mm-hmm. four was, um, let me do this real quickly. Yeah. Number 10, the Bulldogs versus the Heart Foundation. Number nine, the Sheik versus Bobo Bazille. Number eight was JYD versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Number seven was Magnum T.A. versus Tully Blanchard. Number six was the Fabulous Freebirds versus the Bon Erichs. Number five was Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. And number four, we just now went over, was Jerry the King Lawler and Andy Kaufman from television and Taxi Fame and t- uh, uh, the Comedic World and also Saturday Night Live, etc., which is going to take us to our top three. Rivalries, greatest rivalries on episode 11, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, the greatest rivalries of all time in professional wrestling. So let's finish up our top three.
0: All right, so number three, we have the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, versus Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Now, we've talked a little bit about this before, but yep. but Rhodes versus Flair was your working man against your rich snob dickhead. Yep. Um... You know, Dusty Rhodes represented you know the factory worker and the coal miner, and Ric Flair represented, uh, well, you know, staying out late, getting drunk, and, and <laughs> limousine you know,
1: riding, jet flying, you know.
0: Yeah, and Keep not letting wife. your wife not letting your wife li- wife come to the phone when you call home. That's that not. was Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, some great matches in there. Uh, you know, people have said before that Ric Flair could wrestle a mop and put on a good match. And then Dusty Rhodes had more charisma than any 10 people in this business. They could do things to Dusty to literally whip a crowd into a murderous frenzy. And Flair was just such an obnoxious heel. Yeah. A, just such an obnoxious heel that yeah. it just, those two things together put together some awesome, awesome matches. And that cage match where Dusty Rhodes wins the title was one of the coolest things I had ever seen when I was about... I don't know, I must have been about 15 when I saw it. It was there on VHS, and it was just, you know, holy shit, kind of good.
1: That's it, man. And the thing is about this, folks, we could have put a bunch of Ric Flair versus whoever, or Dusty Rose versus whoever, but once again, we listened to a lot of people off of the, uh, the Twitter account, and that was, uh, you know, the one that kept coming in for me that I kept seeing... On well, my account was was this match here because of the promos that were being cut. Flair, I mean, there was never no doubt either one of them cut a great po- promo, but uh, one of the matches that came out was ongoing. Uh, feud, excuse me, rivalry, feud, whatever, between um, uh, Ric Flair and, and Dusty, American Dream Roads, and we've done a whole it's our number one podcast out there, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it I think it's episode four, uh, Dusty, Stardust himself, the American Dream Roads podcast, We it, it's got phenomenal uh, reviews, and, and people love it, and listens, but also the promos at Dusty Rose, that hard times promo yeah. that we put over so much, and we just put Dusty over so much because he was one of those guys we just we left off our greatest of all times. And because one of the fans requested, you know what? You left Dusty off your top 10 greatest of all Time because we both had him on his honorable mention. It's a tough list, you know? It's a tough list, folks. But coming in at number three at greatest rivalries of all time, the nature boy Ric Flair. Get ready, Jeremy. Woo! Woo! Versus hard times, daddy. You know what hard times are? And I can't do it right, Dusty, but you know the promo. If you haven't, go to YouTube and look it up or go to wherever you get your content from and look up at fucking hard times. Uh, Dusty Rhodes cutting a promo, getting ready to to, to go against Ric Flair. That's our number three. All time greatest rivalries of professional wrestling, on the bell to bell with Bobby Blaze podca- podcast. Easy for you to say. We got yeah. <laughs> I'll put it out there in a second because I'm getting excited. We got we to me. I'm just stuttering on my words, thumbing on them. We're down to number three, man. And that, that number three was hard to make a decision how that got to number three because it could easily be number one.
0: Yeah, for, for the record, we spent about eight minutes trying to figure out if it should be number one, two, or three. Yeah, so. yeah. And it's going to be
1: crazy when you hear number two, so I'm going to let yeah. Jeremy introduce it to you and how we got to that one. All right,
0: well, so <laughs> if – if
1: you mentioned it earlier.
0: If Rhodes versus Flair was the was the blue collar versus the rich then this one number 2 is the blue collar versus the boss. So coming in at number 2, we have stone cold Steve Austin versus Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Um okay, so back then when this was done, this was as far as I know the only the second time that the owner of the company became the bad guy in the storyline. The first one would be, and he wasn't even the owner, but Eric Bischoff when he flipped and went NWO. Uh, Stone Cold. So, okay, so long and short, they were trying to make a villain out of Stone Cold, and the fans kept cheering him. They could not get them to go the other way. So they finally realized the way to do it was just have the company be the bad guy. And for 25 years because of that, the company has been the bad guy. Yeah. Stone Cold is one of the most charismatic performers. Yet, strangely enough, even though I admire his uh, bird flipping f- potty mouth, beer guzzling ways, I hated his finisher. But every time he, you know, knocked stone or uh, knocked out uh, McMahon, you had to love it because we all wanted to go into the office, take a shit on the desk, flip off the boss, and then chug a beer. There
1: you go. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. And let me just say this real briefly. Stone Cold, if you listen to his podcast, uh, he done that stunner. You may not like liked it, but here's the thing. It's something you could do. When you have a finisher in professional wrestling, here's a little scene. Quick behind-the-scenes look, folks. Hawk Hogan dropping a leg for all those years. His size and his height, he lost two or three inches off his height, mm-hmm. uh, compressing his fucking vertebrae. Um, you, wanna, you want a finisher you can do on anyone, okay? And the stunner can be done on anyone, and even stone cold, some nights, you know, sometimes you watch. He has to go to his knees. Sometimes he goes to the ass. Um, it's one of those things that is out there. It's, it's part of the business. It's the risk you're taking. It's the, it's the pressure you're putting on your body. Um, but here's the thing, you know, when Vincent McMahon, Vincent Kenny McMahon, is out there and he's the heel, that fucker, you know, he got in shape. He was always in shape anyway. He takes pride in himself. He works his ass off. He become the heel face of the or heel fucking persona of his own fucking company and here's a guy like you said it would go in take a who does not want to go in and you can go to the hospital as much as you you may or may not like the modern day or about we're talking 20 years ago now but you know of the uh, little um uh, vignettes when when stone cold's giving them a, the enema gimmick or whatever who would want to shove something up their boss's ass and go to the ring and Cling two beers together and chug a fuck a beer and say, hey, fuck you. Because you know what? It's like this. Yes. It's like if you win the lottery, it's one of those things. Uh, I hear these people that say that they're going back to their job making 7 or $9 an hour, uh, and they won $26 million, and they're going to get the fucking uh, engine or Trans Am finally fixed, or get windows in the house, or we're going to really spur this weekend because I won $26 million after taxes, and I'm taking the whole family down to the fucking Red Lobster. No. It's one of those things where the man had all that fucking money in real life and he went out there and put his body on the fucking line for his top guy to get him over cuz he wasn't getting over the that he was getting over. But yeah. like you said as a as a heel character, so he turn the whole fucking company, the president of the company or the the, the owner of the company turn the company fucking heel and you go in here and say, "You know what? You, this is what I'd say, of course. And, and Stone Cold is basically saying it's like you won that lottery. You're not showing up Monday at 9 o'clock going, ready to clock, whatever time you got to be there going, yep, I'm ready to clock in for that job. I'm not showing up. You can kiss my big, fat, white fucking ass all you want. I just hit the lottery, I hit the mega millions, I hit the Powerball, whatever. I'm not showing up. <laughs> I will not be at this address. Yeah, uh, McMahon had all that fucking money in real life, and he put it all on a line. Pretty much like he did back at, you know, Wrestle, uh, fucking WrestleMania 1 or whatever. And he's out there working against his top star. And, and we you could do a top 10, like you said, of Stone Cold rivalries or whatever. And we had a hard time deciding between him. We were going to put The Rock up there. We wasn't sure of that rivalry. But we went with this one here because Vince put it all on the fucking line. Stone Cold put it all on the fucking line. And they fucking worked it and had. A lot of magical fucking moments in their matches, and that that says a lot. When you owned a business and are willing to go out there and do something that you'd never ask, he. From my understanding, and I have nothing bad to say about Vince, I'm just or WWE, nothing like it. I'm just saying. When you when you do it, and you can't go out there and say, well. I want you to do this, and they say, yeah, right, whatever. You know what, Vince is the kind of bossy. He says, well, you know what, I'll fucking do it. And he went out there and did it. Yeah. So what a great rivalry for number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the thing I was going to say, I, I
0: hated the stunner just because, first off, I know that Stone Cold's got to have back problems now. <laughs> I know yeah. he does. Yeah. Um, Secondly, it looked to me like I'd hurt the guy giving the move more than it hurt the guy receiving the move. Uh, but that's enough about that. Yep. All right, so let's go to number one now, Bobby. And I know this one will be near and dear to your heart. And we did take, we took a lot of time and consideration to, we already knew who the top three were. It took a while to figure out the order. So yep. coming in at number one is the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. Absolutely.
1: And... I'm going to let you talk about the connection to Mid-South out there uh, at the Superdome. So here's the thing. To me, we had to make this decision, and this one here is very near and dear to my heart, for the simple fact I know these gentlemen on a personal level. I do not know Dennis Condry, who I'm going to let Jeremy speak about. But I know Ricky and Robert. I I know Jim Cornette. I know Bobby Eaton. I've met Stan. Stan was one of the first people I met when I first went to Smoky Mountain so i had a personal connection to this and this has been excuse me an ongoing battle for 30 plus years with the rock and roll express against the midnight express and it's just been one of those things that to me it's the greatest rivalry of all time in professional wrestling we talked a little bit earlier about tag teams not getting the recognition and not getting the uh, pushes and stuff that they they do nowadays that they used to when they they push tag team wrestling we've talked about that before but this rivalry you've got the the rock and roll express you've got these these guys uh, the midnight and if you listen to Cornette, i do you know listen to jim cornett's you know uh, drive-through or, or look to the drive, the experience, or whatever. I encourage other one listen to other people's podcasts. People listen to Book the Territory if you want to know more about Mid South. They do a whole special on that. Um, but I, this is very near and dear to me. I know Rick and Robert on a very personal level. I love those guys to death. I talk to them a couple, three times a year. If I don't see them, I talk to it. I just saw Bobby Eaton uh, just a couple months ago. I love Bobby. Eaton. You find me someone that has something bad about to say about Bobby Eaton and I'll stick my fucking size 13 boot up your ass because you will not find anyone to ever say anything bad about Bobby Eaton in a professional wrestling business. I didn't meet uh, Dennis Condry. I have met Stan several times. I just saw him at Wrestle last year. And, of course, I speak to Jim Cornette at least once a month, if not via Twitter or direct message, uh, uh, email or what have you. I love Jim Cornette. You never hear me say a bad word about Jim Cornette. They have stretched that out for years and years. And, of course, they went into Midnight Express with, uh correct me, Jeremy, I want you to take over in just one second. When it was out there in the Mid-South, it was Bobby and Jimmy with Dennis Condry versus Ricky Robert. And they went in from what I understand, they went in about six weeks ahead of time, and then rock and roll followed them out there from Memphis, and they come back and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually it became, you know, uh Bobby and, and, and Jim Cornette, and they found Stan Lane to fill in, who had been part of the fabulous ones back in Memphis territory. And they had some great rivalries back in the day, but then you finished up, or not finished up with, you started that whole different era with uh, the Crocker promotion with the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express when it was Bobby and Stan with Jim Cornette. Then it went straight through all the way to Smoky Mountain, man. So, And then this one going to on independent scene, and, and I, it, it's just that whole thing, man. It's just so personal to me because back in the day... I'm cheering for the fucking heels. I'm a Terry Funk fan. Yeah, I love Ric Flair. I love Harley Race, you know, as much as I respect all those guys that have great talents, I cheered for the fucking heels, man. And I wanted to see Rock and Roll Express get their little fucking teeny bopper asses whipped every fucking night. But but they some way fucking won and and and, and, and it pissed me off. But the but when they wrestled the Midnight Express it was so fucking entertaining and and uh, not sports entertainment to me. It was fucking competitive entertainment when I saw those tag teams wrestle. And, you know, rock and roll would prevail, rock and roll, and then cornet and the fucking midnight would prevail. You know, it's just one of those things that to me, that's the greatest rivalry of all time in professional wrestling in my heart. And that's why I'm going with that one, Jeremy. And I'll, I'll just shut up, man. Come get too excited. Oh, no, no, that's
0: fine. It's, you know, so the rock and roll were so hot that out here in central California, when I was in junior high and high school, there were a handful of girls who were lying about having slept with them, even though the <laughs> rock and roll never came out to California. Holy um, shit. yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and then the Midnight Express, you know, your buddy, your buddy Jim Cornette has a way of just making himself so hated. <laughs> he he really was just like the epitome of just, you know, shit-stained little heel. Oh, and, yeah. You know, he, his mama buying him a boat. And just all of it. You know, all of it.
1: And I'm talking tennis racket for a gimmick, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? A couple of years ago, I went to a, um, it's probably been 10 years, I went to a local show out of Hayward. And there was a guy there doing Jim Cornette, except he had a, a golf club. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, you know, the the, the the tennis racket worked out so much better. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, a golf club, you're just like, oh, that's a weapon. I don't care that's what a you weapon. do. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that in a drive-in in a 1979. A guy, uh, fucking, not only a golf club, he pulled a fucking golf shoe and hit a guy in the head with it and fucking <laughs> left indentures in a guy's head and left him bleeding. Oh, we left oh, the fucking, I, I, not a, a Statue of limitations ran out. But anyway, I'm just saying, yeah, a golf Club or a golf shoe is legit. A tennis racket? Come on now, people. Yeah. Cornette had that way though of getting his self oh, yeah. his team over and making the other team so fucking strong. Yep. And and in this case it was the Rock and Roll Express. And that was the greatest rivalry. Yeah. So, yeah. And
0: and anything I see now, I will simply be paraphrasing what Jim Cornette has said on his shows ten million he times. And just that, you know, the rock and roll could sell Bobby and Dennis. Well, for me, the Midnight Express is Bobby and Dennis. I mean, right. that's, that's that
1: takes us to the New Orleans, that takes us to the Super Bowl, yep. and that's the tie in. So we want to emphasize that. Yeah. To you, the Midnight Express is beautiful Bobby Eaton with Dennis Condry with Jim Cornette. That's yeah. your Midnight Express versus Roll Rock, Rock Express. And I totally respect that. And I hope all your fans. That sent us at the Geekish Cast or at Bobby Blaze seven forty four or at Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. They would put in parentheses the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. Bobby and they'd put in parentheses they'd put Dennis and 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 that was the Midnight Express to them and that's great. And then eventually it becomes staying like I mentioned. But to to that so that's just kind of. Letting people know where we stand at. It, that, the combination could be any of those three, you know. So, uh, versus, it's always going to be Bobby and Jimmy, but you can have Stan or you have Dennis. And you, your version, you preferred Dennis. Most of our fans, apparently, from the Mid South uh, preferred Dennis. When it went to uh, Jim Crocker Promotions, it, it was, you know, more Stan with uh, Jimmy and Bobby. But it was always the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express for the greatest rivalry in professional wrestling history. And we know there's more than 10, but we have done this episode, and, and we've gotten so much positive feedback about the uh, New Orleans Superdome, now it's known as the Louisiana Superdome, now I know the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We've done the, the greatest top 10 rivalries all the way down from 10 to 1. We know there's probably a fucking hundred of them out there. But, man, and we've had a great podcast. We try to have a good time. People, listen. Jeremy can plug a couple of things. I know he has a couple of book sites we need to talk about, and our GoFundMe, et cetera. We'll let him close out the show. I'm just going to say this. Thank you for listening. You're listening to two, two real good guys, real men, have families that care. We want to love each other. Not each other as me in that way. Uh, just, Not uh, that there's anything wrong with that, Not though, that with No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying. We love, the, we love our fellow human beings. We talked about that. We love professional wrestling. We love doing this podcast. And we love the feedback we get from our fans. I'm at Bobby Blaze 744 on Twitter. That's my only social media that I have. It's the same as on Instagram, even though I don't count that as social media. I just like looking at pictures. Um, and then we have the Geekish Cast. That's Jeremy. You can find him at the Geekish Cast on Twitter. And also you can find... To Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter, and that's our shared account. But when that's when answered, just so to clarify, I think normally that's Jeremy. I will retweet yeah. it, I will add to it. But Jeremy runs that account, and I respect him and totally don't understand how the fuck he does two accounts because I have enough problems running my own account. But follow us, and we also have a. Um, Jeremy's had to smart me up a little bit about this. We have a uh, website, and it's Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze also. He'll tell you about that. But find us. Like us, share us, rate us. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on all that fucking wherever you get your podcast, man, we're out there. And we want to bring the entertainment to you fans. And we want to keep it a little bit shorter than what we did today. And we'll eventually get back to keeping it shorter. But we had a very touchy and serious situation happen. And we talked about it in a little bit more detail than what we probably in, uh, wanted to. But we talked about it and it needed to be addressed. And it's very important. So thank you. And I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, that being said, I want to thank everybody.
0: We have hit more than 2,000 listens in the two months we've been doing this. Uh, today, as of this recording, is the the start of month number three since we founded Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. So, A, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you know other people who are into wrestling, please tell them about it. We'd like to see, we'd like to see this thing blow up. Bobby's got some great stories. On uh, days other than today, I usually do a good job of keeping the show on track and... No, not so noisy, but, you know, thing life happens. You know how that goes. It's my fault for recording this late in the day when I knew my grandson would be coming home anytime. But you also, we do have a website going up at blazebell dot com. You know, I tweet from at the Geekish Cast. Bobby, sorry, I'm off track here. But tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. That'll take you to Amazon to buy both of Bobby's books. Pin Me, Pay Me, and I Kicked Out on 2, The Education of a Wrestler. Bobby's stories are in there. You can check them out. We we try to only reference the books on the show enough to interest you in reading it, and we don't want to give away the good stuff for free.
4: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, that being said, for myself and for Bobby Blaze, bye-bye, everybody.
4: Hi. Gary Lawler and uh, Andy Kaufman are here, and uh, we saw the tapes that allegedly provoked Mr. Lawler into the ma- uh, match. Andy, why did you do that? That didn't seem... <laughs> seemed like a very nice thing to do there. Um,
2: I don't see how uh, uh, you could get, a person could get so mad from that. I was playing bad guy, that's what I was doing. I was playing bad guy wrestler, it was a role I was playing. I wasn't serious about it. I don't take things like that seriously, like I am a star, I'm from, you know, um, that was just a role I was uh-huh. playing.
4: Yeah. You know? So, yeah. in your in your estimation, Jerry,
2: and he and, and as and I think that he just was taking it too seriously. It you think he owes humor. you an
4: apology? Look, then.
2: I I always said you he didn't have a sense of humor, and here the people are all laughing at it. Mm-hmm. So it proves my point. Yeah. And um, I, that's why I came here. It was because I asked for an apology. I apologized for all the wrestling I've ever done, all the abuse I've ever given to people that didn't understand what I was doing, and I simply ask yes, think that apology is in order.
4: So it's come to this, has yeah, it Andy? Yeah. You you want Jerry to apologize. Uh-huh. Uh,
2: now
3: is this the way uh, would that be an equitable thing as far as you're concerned? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I owe him an apology. I think you know, he says it was all a big joke. Uh, I'm sure it was to him. I think he came down there with the intention of uh, Did you want get... to hurt him?
2: Well, yeah. I thought I had to hurt him. <laughs> In all the matches I ever had against 400 women, I'll tell you I was bigger than most of them, a lot bigger, and I never, not one time, did anyone ever get hurt. Mm-hmm. I never had to prove anything. I never had to hurt. I was always very gentle with everybody. Well, I wrestled. Listen, uh, you know, it's 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 something that I take
3: very seriously. It's the way I make my living. And he comes in making a joke out of it. He did it. You know, he did it all for publicity. That's why I still wearing. I don't know if it's a neck brace or a flea collar. I mean, you know, this, sure, Herb, you don't need it this long. I was know. in the hospital. He's I'm milking it for every yeah. bit of
2: publicity he can get. That's all he's doing. I had to it's spend three brace. days in the hospital in traction, and I was given this neck brace in the hospital. It's a very real neck brace. It's a real thing, and it's something It's been five know. months ago. <laughs> yeah, it seems a, little a People more. been in car wrecks and now you know. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Um, I, I, I just don't think that there was any. It wasn't really called for to do. You could have. I could have been killed. Well, and I could have been had my neck broken.
4: But on the other hand, I mean, uh, you nobody actually forced you into the ring, you know?
2: That's
3: right. I don't come out here and try to do stand up comedy or anything like that. You know, I'm a wrestler. You're a comedian. If you were the man that you, know, you think that you are. Then
2: you'd apologize. You're the man that you think that you say you're always talking about it being a sportsman and how you're such. A I great never say athlete. anything about being a sportsman. Now, let me, let me. Well, I thought that you're, I thought you're an app, professional athlete. You, you could, you're always talking about sportsmanship, and and sportsmanship isn't just to, isn't right. to, to go in the ring. That's right. a professional athlete. You're a comedian. Sport, you should it's a stay professional. Sports sport. like you, you don't have to go in the, the ring. ring. Yeah. Well, I was going in the ring, and it's something that I was doing, and it, it was no reason as to hurt joke, me. Right. It's yeah, well, a joke, right? It's not a joke. As me. a joke, yeah. yeah well, it's not a joke. Well, it wasn't. I, it wasn't a joke. Did you laugh after when you were laying in the hospital? Was it a joke then? No, it wasn't but there wasn't any reason to, to purposely hurt me you could have proven the point by just okay. by just beating me, me uh, you want to prove what a big man you are
4: let me um, <laughs> um, um, let me let me just uh, clear up one point here there are a lot of people uh, watching who probably view wrestling as being uh, a show, a display, a demonstration uh, and and this may be as the pinnacle uh, representation of that It was this thing. Fixed or rigged? Are you guys really friends? Is it was it a No, scam? not at all. I,
3: I, I couldn't warm up to this guy. We were cremated together. No. <laughs> he is a wimp. That's exactly what he thought. He thought that's what he thought about wrestling. He thinks it's all a big joke, a big fix, or whatever. And and then uh, you're right. There are a lot of or people that concerned. think that. You're but
2: well, a well, there's I and mean, you're just trying to prove a point because I was a Yankee and I heard this from so many people in Memphis. I was going down there and because there you believed people, all that like stuff I that I, I was. There are a lot seen. of
3: people that think that David.
2: And he was one of them. Mm-hmm. And
3: I did to Andy and exactly what I would like to do to everybody that thinks that. You're lucky I didn't. You. Yeah. It was
2: a chance to show him exactly what it's really not, like. If there were, would you really Because like. let me tell you something. My father said, my father said, my manager said, they all said that I had a right. I could have gotten a lawyer and I could have sued you for what you did, and I didn't. And I just, all I want is an apology. Even you asked me last time I was on your show if I, if I was uh, going to have a that's lawsuit, right. and yeah. I could have sued you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. Well, and I didn't, because that's, I'm not that kind of a guy.
4: Yeah. You know what, uh, What kind of a guy you're, are you? i not the kind of guy here. I'll just be over here. here. Uh, We're going to pause here for station identification, get the hoses out
3: here.